Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. Today on the podcast, we hear from Bart Watson, the chief economist for the Brewers Association. Bart shares all the beer industry data that you need to know. We look at 2022, we look at trends, what's new, what's going on with our on-premise and off-premise business, what are the pack counts and sizes and formats of beer look like, and what are we seeing in terms of new openings and new closings. Bart also shares his forecast for 2023, so you won't want to miss this podcast. So for now, please enjoy this conversation with Bart Watson from the Brewers Association. Hey, Bart, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me back. It's great to have you back. So for folks who, for the one or two people out there in the world that don't know who you are, why don't you give folks a little bit of background on your role and what you do at the Brewers Association? Yeah, thanks. Um, So I'm the chief economist at the Brewers Association. Uh, Brewers Association, for anyone who doesn't know, is the national not-for-profit trade association for America's small and independent craft brewers. So we promote and protect. I'm very firmly on the protect side. And my job is to gather data that's helpful for craft brewers, for our members. So, you know, industry trends, analyses, total top line numbers, but also things like benchmarking and then statistical and economic efforts to support our government affairs work. Awesome. People do love data, don't they? They do. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot more data out there than ever before, but I think it's getting more and more critical to have somebody who really understands it, can piece it together, understands the strengths and weaknesses of that particular. So um, it's, a, it's a great time to be a data analyst because there's more data than ever and people need more help than ever interpreting it. That's, that's fantastic. Um, so we're recording in early 2023. So let's do a recap of 2022. Speaking of data. So we want to kind of dig in on a few areas. I'm personally very interested in, well, let's start kind of macro, like the beer industry as a whole, like, what are we seeing in terms of the total pie and then the, the slice of craft and how, what are the trends looking like there? Like, I guess, total beer. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll say these are these are harder to to give in real time than they used to be. Um, the numbers are still bouncing around a little bit from, you know, all the weirdness that we had in COVID where, you know, we had this kind of shutdown and then everybody struggling to catch up. And so, you know, warehouses were depleted and then they were suddenly, you know, overstocked. And, you know, so we've, we've gotten to a place where, you know, even in real time, you know, was was the year up down over last year? You know, we're always within a couple of points in the beer industry. It, it's a little hard to say. Uh, but I think generally what we saw is that, you know, total taxes beer, um, you know, probably shrank a little bit last year relative to, you know, what was a pretty big 2021. Um, maybe not, you know, if we're just looking at traditional beer, when we pull out the seltzer. Maybe it was a little bit more break even year for for beer. Um, and, and craft is probably going to grow just a little bit. So maybe taking a, just a little bit of share within there, um, it'll do a little bit better when we look at it in dollar terms, because the growth in craft and last year was in draft, albeit not necessarily getting back to where we were. Um, and then at the brewery and those are both, you know, obviously high retail margin environments. So craft is probably about where it was when we started the pandemic. So a little bit above an eighth of the industry in volume. 
um, and around a quarter of, of the industry in total dollar sales. Okay. And you had mentioned when we talk about sort of this on-premise, off-premise split. So on-premise bars and restaurants, you're consuming an on-premise, uh, on off-premise, you're going to your convenience stores and grocery stores and you're buying the beer and you're bringing it home. What, what do those look like? I know, uh, as you mentioned, and we, you know, we've talked about it and everyone has felt on-premise just really just shut down in 2020 and it's coming back, but it's kind of hard to tell. What's your sense? What's the data show in terms of uh, what those splits look like? What does on-premise in particular look like? Yeah. So on-premise, you know, obviously got hit overnight and, you know, just kind of staking a step back. And I think we talked about this last year, you know, the biggest thing that happened when the pandemic hit is not the amount of beer that people drank, but where they drank it. So we drank a lot more packaged beer and we drank a lot less, you know, draft beer and, and beer at, you know, experiential places because we weren't leaving our houses. Um, and what we've seen is kind of a slow and steady recovery in that draft market until I would say about mid-year this year, where it really started to level off in terms of a lot of the numbers that we can see, we can look at. Um, so, you know, for example, keg production from imports and from um, TTB really stopped growing, uh, you know, versus 2021. And, and where we are is still about 10 to 15% below where we were in 2019. Um, you know, one thing I've been pointing out to people is that that, that draft was on a little bit of a downward trend before we entered COVID. So, you know, where we would have been without COVID probably would have been a little bit lower than 2019 anyway. Um, but my estimates are we're still two to two and a half million barrels of keg volume behind where we were. Um, the good news for small brewers listening to this is that it seems like tap rooms and brew pubs have bounced back a little bit better um, and that are collectively ahead of where we were in 2019 in terms of total volume. But some of that's because we've gotten brewery growth. And, and so on a per brewery basis are probably at or maybe slightly ahead of, of where we were in 2019 in terms of volume. So that's the good news for on-premise. You know, on the other side and off-premise, um, you know, we were getting the opposite. So draft was coming back and those kind of elevated package sales were really dropping. And we've also seen, I think, kind of a change this year where it's not just channel shift anymore, but we're really starting to see some weakness in that channel for craft. Um, you know, some of this is with distributors and retailers rethinking their sets, rethinking their assortment, how many SKUs they carry. Um, but now, you know, previously the pattern was we were cycling ahead of 2019 because we were still at elevated volumes and we were cycling down over last year because, you know, that channel tide was receding. And what we've seen in the back half of 2022 is that we're not only having negative numbers on last year, we're starting to see some negative numbers on 2019 so that that package volume is actually back below where it was at the start of the pandemic. So kind of summon this distribution, really tough draft, not quite back where it was packaged below where it was. And the bright spot right now for craft brewers is that tap rooms and brew pubs seem like they're doing fairly well, obviously not across the board, but collectively they're doing pretty well. Gotcha. Okay. So look, so kind of looking forward to 2023, is it, I know you only have, we only have the, what we have for data for trends, but we're looking at maybe flat and draft and continued declines in package. Yeah, I mean, I think for the short term, that's probably what I would project. And I've I've been on the record saying I don't think distributed craft is going to grow next year. Um, you know, I think there are still opportunities for draft to come back a little bit more. Um, you know, maybe we're going to see labor shortages, um, you know, get a little bit better next year. One reason we have um, a little bit less draft is, you know, restaurants on average are closed six hours more than they were pre-pandemic and tap handles are down. And a lot of that has to do with labor shortages. Um, you know, but we also have a composition mix that's a little bit different. We just have fewer bars and restaurants, or at least independent bars and restaurants than we did. Chains have bounced back a little bit better. Um, and those are all kind of coming back really slowly. So I think draft's probably going to be about static. And, 
you know, on the package side, you know, I think we're seeing a little bit of a reset in, in just kind of how retailers and distributors are thinking. Craft's still important to them. You know, craft's not going away. This isn't a bubble bursting. Um, but we're seeing a recalibration and, and there's other products where they're investing more. So it's tough to see a, you know, we're going to see brands grow. We're going to see parts of craft grow, but it's tough to see a scenario where craft collectively is up a lot in, in package by volume, I should say. Dollar sales probably might be up year over year, particularly with pricing. Gotcha. Okay. So it's probably worth mentioning that the the numbers we're talking about are really domestic, right? This is nationwide and yeah. there's usually variability by region or state. Do you do you have a sense or if somebody, let's just say a brewer is listening to this in, I don't know, Texas or whatever there, uh, how might they go about digging into this or does the data exist to kind of see that? Some of it does. Um, you know, it really depends on your state. Um, we publish a lot of the state data where it's available on the Brewers Association website. So I'll be doing that again as the uh, 2022 states finish up. And that's a great place to see, you know, kind of state by state, you know, how did things do? Some of the states break this out apart more than others. You know, some are going to show you here's what keg volume production was in the state. And, and we can get this at a high level from the TTB. So you can go to TTB. They break this out quarterly for the states. Here's how much was produced in kegs. You can look at that for your state. Now, there are challenges there, right? Because a beer, you know, that's made in Texas at, you know, the Molson Coors facility in Fort Worth might be destined for Oklahoma. Um, so that's where that state data is often even a little bit better because you can really look at it by the brewery by brewery level. Some of the states track what's sold in state, not all of them, but you can see this. So um, depending on your state, that's a good place to look. You know, Beer Institute does shipment data um, so you can get a sense of the overall beer market in your state. And, you know, there still are big variations there driven by economics, you know, population changes, things like that. Um, and then obviously, you know, I mean, there are snapshots from data companies, the IRIs, Nielsen's of the world that, you know, brewers can access in a variety of ways, normally having to pay for it. Um, but yeah, a lot of variation state by state. And, you know, that's always an important part when I go out and talk is say, I'm going to give you national figures. What's happening at your state or even your local level, or even your neighborhood level is going to be way more important than these national trends. And so digging in is real important. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. So that's, that's sort of macro that's on-premise off-premise. Let's talk a little bit about a little more granular on packages. So pack counts, sizes, formats, there's seemingly every configuration out there. Yeah. What's going on there? I mean, what are the trends look like in the market share and all that? Yeah. And, you know, before we dig in, you know, it's always fun to talk about the trends and I think we spend a lot of time talking about what's new, you know, it's also worth kind of just baselining like what's the biggest and just kind of the most important that, you know, six pack remains kind of the, the workhorse for craft. Um, and, you know, still by far the, the biggest, uh, you know, in terms of count. So 12 ounce six packs are, you know, still by far kind of most of the volume that's um, actually don't know it's a majority anymore, but the plurality of volume that's, that's sold for craft. You know, where we're seeing growth is kind of on either end of pack sizes in terms of counts, at least either end for craft. Craft doesn't get into 30 packs like, um, you know, like the, the, the big guys do. Um, but, you know, we're seeing growth in 12 packs, a lot of that driven by mix packs, you know, starting to see more chatter around breweries really, I think, thoughtfully thinking about their mix packs, you know, IPA mix packs are growing uh, pretty strongly right now. Um, and then we're seeing a lot of growth in singles, um, you know, particularly in 19.2. Um, I think some brewers have started to unlock uh, the, the convenience channel, you know, you know, we're seeing a lot of growth in specifically in double IPA and larger format cans in convenience. Um, and that's starting to, to take share and, uh, it looks a little different if you look at independent breweries versus, um, kind of the, the broader data set of fuller flavored beer, uh, where that share is even a little bit higher, but they're both growing. So this isn't just a phenomenon that's driven by one or two breweries though. There are a couple of breweries that really 
dominate that that space. So, you know, that's kind of what I'm seeing, along with just a continued shift to cans. You know, we continue to see just year over year, just a little bit more share shifting to cans. And, and you know, just anecdotally, too, I continue to see brewers who were in bottles just flipping over, you know, still the cans that, you know, people who were supporting both packs, we see that kind of critical mass where suddenly they say, hey, we're only going to do one. We're going to simplify. We're just going to buy cans. So that's an ongoing trend that that's happened over the last 10 years. Okay. Interesting. So the volume is still in six pack, 12 ounce and largely, can- or do you have the splits? And it's, it seems like everything, like you said, shipping to cans, but so it's basically that is still the predominant package from a volume perspective, from, but from a growth perspective, it's the, the singles, single serve and 12 packs. Yeah, exactly. That's a yeah. great way of putting it that, you know, kind of the, the biggest part of the volume is still in that, you know, six pack, 12 ounce. Um, and then we start to see as you move out, that's not though where the growth is. I mean, that's not a pack size that's growing right now. Um, and to a lesser extent, same, same trends for those who, who do, I know Northeast is a very much a, a 16 ounce four pack market where you see a lot more of that, you know, very similar trends for that to the, um, six pack, 12 ounce where, you know, it's got its share, but it's not really moving the needle kind of up or down right now. And so where the growth is in terms of share has been, you know, really in, in the kind of high and low, you know, pack numbers for craft, the 12 pack um, and singles. And mostly we're seeing that come out of six pack, um, you know, where it's starting to lose, particularly the 12 pack. And you had, uh, I read the article that you wrote on the Brewers Association site and, and you had referenced this thing called uh, beer math. Mm-hmm. You know, we could and, uh, maybe tell us a little bit about it. I thought that was interesting because it's digging in on that. Yeah. You know, I mean, one of the things you always have to ask yourself when you, you see some of these shifts is, you know, why are they going on? You know, what is it that's driving the consumer to to lead to this? And and there's been a lot of speculation with high inflation, with economy that's, you know, I'll put weakening in quotes since we got a jobs number today of 517,000 know, new jobs. So, you know, parts of the economy are showing some, some stress, um, but others aren't. But anyway, I think the idea is that people start looking for value in different ways that, you know, they, when they're standing there in the aisle, they're, they're doing beer math. They're thinking about these pack sizes differently. And, you know, I think both of those, we can tell ourselves a story, how true it is without shopper loyalty card data. I don't really know, but, you know, on the singles, I think that growth is driven by primarily a younger consumer who, you know, maybe isn't going to shell out as much for beer at once. And so, you know, is really thinking of, you know, what's an effective way to spend the five, 10 bucks I got in my pocket for the occasion that I want tonight. Um, and, you know, they're gravitating to those single formats and, you know, kind of a little bit higher ABV, larger formats. Um, and then, you know, I think you're seeing maybe the aging millennials, you know, who are in their forties now or young uh, Gen Xers like me who, um, you know, are thinking, okay, well, I'm going to save a little money by trading up to that 12 pack, which on a per unit basis is typically, you know, cheaper than a six pack. Um, and so that's, that's some of the beer math that, but I think we're seeing consumers do as those grocery bills go up and, you know, they're still wanting to add beer to their cart, but maybe they're doing it in a slightly different way. Mm. It, it resonated with me because it is, it's what I do a lot when I'm in the, you know, I'm walking down the aisle. I'm like, all right, there's a, I want to get that style. There's a four pack. It's say it's this price, but there's a 15 pack of the same thing in a smaller format, 12 ounce. Yeah. I'm going to get the 15 pack. Right. So you treat, you, you do, you sort of like, where's, where's the most liquid. And then do I want to spend a little bit more? So it, yeah, it's hard to quantify that stuff, but it feels like it, it feels real to me. The people yeah. Do. People, people say they're bad at math and then you see them doing stuff like this. Ask, ask anybody in a grocery store if they can do that kind of math. And, and most people can. And, you know, I think they're, they're thinking about it. And it's one reason brewers, you know, when they're thinking about pricing, you need to think about those psychological thresholds that, you know, people are going to look at where like, Ooh, that just looks expensive. And I'm not even going to do that beer math versus, you know, places where maybe they can get somebody to, to compare them to their competitive set. 
Absolutely. So let's talk about openings and closing. I, I, I guess I'm going to ask you the question that I want to know. I, I'd be interested in your opinion as to the relative sort of usefulness of of these stats. But, you know, I, I remember looking over the years, we'd say, all right, so many so many breweries and brew pubs open, so many closed. The, the closings were more than last year. Is that an indicator of, so I guess maybe what do the numbers look like in that regard? And are we getting more closings or the same or? Yeah. Um, you know, it really always, as always, it depends on when, how we're situating ourselves. But, you know, the general trend we've seen for the last few years, this was true prior to COVID, is openings are coming down. Um, you know, I think there's a variety of reasons for that, but just, you know, a more mature market, rising rates certainly haven't helped recently. COVID didn't help. Um, you know, but we're seeing that that opening rate has been, you know, fairly linear in its decline. So, you know, you go back a few years and we were getting on a year over year basis, you know, 1,200 breweries opening you know, now we're probably more in the 600 range and we're still finalizing our numbers and we'll, I'm sure we'll find a few and it'll come up a little bit, but um, you know, that, and that's been pretty steady on closings. We haven't seen that much of a spike. I think maybe we're starting to see signs that's coming back up a little bit more. Um, we saw a spike right around when COVID hit. So there were a lot of brewery owners who maybe were on the fence anyway. And, you know, if you're ever looking for a reason to close a business, a huge global pandemic that shuts down all hospitality is a pretty good reason. Um, so we saw it spike then, but but since that point, it's really been static to not if maybe slightly down even um, since then. So, you know, we're still tracking only a couple hundred closings this year. We're going to find more. We, you know, you scrape those license lists and a lot of breweries are tiny and, you know, aren't putting out a press release or don't make the news when they close. So um, we'll find some more, but it's not radically different than it was. And as a percentage of breweries, it's it's definitely lower than it was kind of when COVID was, was hitting. So um, we'll see if that changes. You know, I, I've predicted on in numerous places that we would see the closing rate rise. It's been kind of shockingly low how, how low closings have been in recent years. Um, I think the kind of simplified version is those two numbers are coming closer together. And I think we're going to see openings and closings in balance at some point in the next couple of years. And, you know, to, to end here, you know, you asked too, like, does this really matter? I think it does to a certain extent, right? You know, it tells us something about the health of the industry. Um, though often it tells us, you know, things about external factors, you know, interest rates or, or, or whatever more. And where I think it does think it really matters is at a local level, you know, that brewers should not pay a ton of attention. You know, you should watch them, but not pay a ton of attention to the national numbers and understand in your market, are more breweries, you know, going in, do they see opportunity? Are they growing? Are they thriving? Uh, versus are, you know, a market where it's a little bit more one in, one out, or even negative. Because, you know, for tap rooms and brew pubs, which are the vast majority of these openings and closings, you know, they're in more of a hospitality business where these local conditions are really important. And, and so those are, the, those are the numbers that really matter. The national numbers are interesting. They give us something to talk about. They kind of set a baseline where we can compare them to our local numbers, but those local numbers are really what matters. Yep. Got to keep the big stuff in context and then look what's right in your own, own backyard. Exactly. So that's, that's a really good, I think, overview of some key pieces of the business. Any other takeaways? Like you look at a lot of data and I've, you know, we've just, we've talked about maybe a half a dozen data points here. Any other, anything surprising, any other key takeaways that you can, that you can think of that would be interesting to share? Yeah. I mean, you know, you can really, we're going to slice this data a lot more and we're still digging through, you know, all of the, all of the entries on our big survey, you know, we get thousands and thousands. So it gives us a big data set to play around with. Um, you know, I, I think we're going to find a lot of stuff that provides optimism and a lot of stuff that provides pessimism there because there's lots of different ways to slice it. You know, I think if you're an optimistic person, you know, the numbers have held up pretty well. We haven't seen a lot of closings. Um, 
you know, the, the at the brewery piece, which is so important for revenue and margins for brewers is, has held up very well. You know, I think it's doing, doing all right. You know, at the same time with rising costs, I mean, I don't see people's finances. I see their production numbers, which doesn't really matter how much beer you make. It matters how much money you're putting in the bank. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think there's, there's stuff that, you know, maybe under the surface is, is going to be worrisome for brewers in a static year, right? If you're static, but you're not making as much money on those volumes, um, that can pose a challenge if your projections where you needed to grow or even, even hold steady. So um, there's a lot going on. I'm excited to dig in more and, and try to provide some insights for, for our members, for the industry, because I think it's going to be one of those years where they're going to be takeaways, but they're kind of all over the board and the context is really going to matter. And it's not like when things were growing 18%, it was, you know, it was easy to deliver the message. Craft is growing. It's growing everywhere. Different models have levels, right? You know, so maybe these models are growing faster than these models or these places are growing faster. But like the key takeaways were pretty clear. This is a growth market. Now we really have to understand the kind of nuances of where you are, what your business is. And you know, even down one thing we haven't talked about is like urban geography. Um, you know, different downtowns are back more or less. Different um, suburbs are back more or less. And so there's just lots of factors that go into why breweries are succeeding, which, you know, makes sense in a maturing industry where there's more things that can make or break it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you had mentioned earlier, you know, that people love to hear about trends and what's new, right? Cause it's just, I think that's human nature. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that a little bit. What, yeah. w- what are you seeing as far as new, if anything, and that could be a twist. I know last time you and I had talked was, I think we talked about seltzers and of course that's not new anymore, but that kind of idea, like, wow, where'd that come from? Anything you're seeing in the data that would indicate, Hey, here's something coming down the pike. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, IPA is still growing. Uh, we get that out of the way right away, at least, you know, at least in terms of share, I mean, IPA is still um, the biggest growth part of craft and, I was, I, I need to crunch the numbers on this. Cause you know, I was, I was doing the math in the back of my head and we might be getting to a place where if you added in mix packs and seasonals and kind of could factor out kind of what percentage of those are IPA that, that we're getting pretty close to a majority IPA, the, you know, the, the scan numbers suggest it's only more in the forties, but that doesn't add in IPA mix packs. It doesn't add in whatever percentage of seasonals would be IPA. So so IPA is getting pretty close to about half craft, which is, is kind of insane to say out loud. Um, but the growth there has changed. And so, you know, we're seeing kind of the classic IPA and even New England IPA um, not necessarily grow like the rocket ship that it was. And the growth is in mixed packs, which obviously includes both of those. But, you know, kind of people want a variety of IPAs um, and then Imperial IPA. A lot of it, again, driven by that kind of single format that we already talked about. So. Um, we're seeing IPA change once again. That's one reason IPAs continue to grow is it's been able to evolve with consumer needs very effectively. Um, you know, other things, you know, we, I think we continue to see a slow burn for lighter, lower ABV styles. Um, you know, it's uh, the, the running joke about is this year of craft lager, um, you know, is going to have a long run room because I don't, I don't think there's ever going to be a year. There's never going to be a year where we wake up and it's like, ooh, craft lager gained five share points of, of craft this year. But but I think what we're seeing over time is just kind of collectively those brands have been um, able to grow. Um, I was at Hop Growers a couple of weeks ago and, you know, Vinny from Russian River was on stage talking about how IPAs, 85% of their volume or something. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm getting the exact percentage wrong. And then he spent a couple of minutes talking about lager and how that like, that's the other thing that's growing for them. And their loggers are kind of slowly and steadily growing. Um, they have a couple with STS pills and their Sonoma Pride. Um, so I think we're seeing a lot of breweries like that where they've got a brand, it's not exploding, it's not growing gangbusters, but it is kind of incrementally, 
um, adding volume. And, and I think that's going to be important for craft, particularly as the millennials age and, you know, maybe don't want quite as many double IPAs on a, on a Saturday night. You know, one other place that, that I'm interested in just kind of watching um, is, is non-alcoholic. Um, I think it's interesting, A, because it's a place where craft brewers have an opportunity to play. It's a market that's, you know, defined by flavor much more so. Not every craft brewer can play there. They're hard to make, right? So this isn't going to be something that's going to show up at your local brew pub anytime soon. But, but I think it's a place where we see growth, we see consumer demand, and craft clearly has the ability to compete with the large brewers because it's not a focus of theirs right now. And the market is really defined by flavor. So, so that's one I'm interested in. And I think encapsulate the places that I see growth, which are changing consumer demand, flavor is still important, beer is still an important part of the conversation. And brewers can focus in and, and really st- still see opportunities. And those are probably kind of the niches where, where we're going to see growth going forward. Um, and I'm, I, I'm hopeful we'll find a few more of those in 23 because it would be nice to have, you know, three or four other pockets of growth to talk about. Fruit beers. Fruit beers might be another one that we talk about more. Um, a lot of those are kind of melding with IPAs, but, but fruit, it seems like the flavor that the craft brewers are bringing a lot. So those are a few places I'm kind of interested in and, and seeing what brewers um, get up to next year. It's amazing the uh, the staying power of those IPAs, right? Every now you're like it can't, and it keeps going, and and you're like, well, what's new? Well, a new IPA. That seems to be the thing. People still want it. The volume's huge. The growth percentage might not be as high, but off of a base like that, you know, the volume and the dollars is still seems to be where it's at. Yeah, it would be fascinating to look at, you know, get snapshots of like what what is the IPA market now, and how much of it existed five years ago. Um, you know, one reason I think IPA has been so able to do that is is brewers have been really good at kind of refreshing the brands much faster than many others. Um, you know, we've seen a couple of, you know, venerable brands get refreshes and talked about a lot. IPAs get refreshed constantly. I feel like, you know, every time, you know, you, you look at people's IPAs and, you know, it was a big deal when Stone went to like Stone 2.0. I mean, now, like, you know, everybody's changing their IPA kind of, it feels like constantly. So I think that's one reason IPA has been able to stay with the times is it's evolved as fast as any style. And that'd be an interesting analysis. Maybe I'll have to do a blog post on that. Oh, I'd love that. I'd love that. I'll, I'll, I'll keep, uh, keep my eye on that. So let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about the upcoming craft brewers conference in Nashville. That's coming up just, just around the corner. It's going to be here before we know it. So what topic are you presenting on and why is it important to you and the industry? Yeah, uh, well, I'll be giving my general state of the industry address um, on on the main stage. So excited for that. Excited to kind of again dig into the numbers deeper. Don't don't have those bullet points written. You know, really try to wait until the last minute to write that so it's as fresh and and relevant as possible. Um, you know, I mean, in a lot of those talks right now, what I'm trying to do is balance realism. Here's what the market looks like. Give people kind of you know the the true statistics of of what's going on with with reasons for optimism, because I, I still think we have those, um, you know, that it's neither as good nor as bad as I think um, you, you sometimes hear. And a lot of reporters want to write the craft bubble bursting right now. This isn't a bubble. It never was. It's built on solid demand. It's going to be here. Um, so that's what I'm going to try to hit in that. Um, I'm also doing a couple of other smaller things around the conference, um, doing a, a seminar. I'm mostly going to be emceeing and providing some stats with uh, Garrett Marrero of, um, um, Maui Brewing Company, um, the what's the new company called? The well, the and now they have the broader company with with Modern Times, um, and then Sam Calagione of Dogfish Head, and we're going to be talking there about um, their Beyond Beer experience and kind of what are some opportunities 
or challenges for for craft brewers there as they think about kind of growth in the the flavor space that that goes beyond um, you know, malt beverage. So um, those are a couple of things I'm going to be doing, and I'm just excited to see so many members. It's always one of the best times of the year for me to connect, make the numbers real, hear more kind of under the cover of what's going on, and you know get out of spreadsheets and and talk to people over a pint. That sounds like a plan. So if we talk again, maybe this time next year, um, maybe give us kind of just a quick, this is the crystal ball. And I know economists hate to do this, but I have to put you on the spot. Like what, where it's a year from now, we're sitting here. What just happened in 2023? What did you see that you kind of thought was coming? And if you had to guess, like, all right, here's some stuff that maybe could be a surprise. What do you think there? Put your forecasting hat on. Yeah, well, I'll put my, you know, pure economist hat on first. You know, I think things are going to tighten in the economy. Uh, the Fed is, you know, the good news in the job market today might be bad news if you wanted the Fed to slow in their interest rate hikes, because they may still see, you know, um, some some heat there that they need to to cool down with, with you know, the Fed funds rate. Um, so I think we're going to see a slowdown there. That said, I don't think that's going to affect craft dynamics that much. Um, you know, it'll be a tougher borrowing environment for startups. Um, or for debt restructure. Um, and certainly there may be some other kind of, you know, secondary effects, but, you know, craft has weathered recessions pretty well. And generally the customers who get hit by recessions in the U.S. don't overlap with craft quite as much. So I think it's something that we'll talk about a lot, but maybe won't shift the numbers as much as some people think. Um, hopefully when we're at this point next year, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a flip of what we talked about this year, where I think there was a lot of optimism in the front half of 22 draft is coming back, you know, this is the year we're going to start breaking out. We're going to see growth again. And, and then it really cooled in the second half is, you know, those scan numbers really got worse and, um, you know, the supply chain stuff didn't get that much better. You know, I'm hopeful that that 23 might be the flip where the first half of the year is tough, that sales are a little slower. The shelf resets don't go our way in the spring. You know, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, ready to drink cocktails kind of other other beer brands that are outside of craft, um, you know, get those spaces. But then the second half of the year might be the one where we get a little more optimism, where, you know, a reduced craft set is going to have better numbers and better velocity. It's going to look a little bit better. Um, distributors might start to see opportunities to reinvest in on-premise as more bars and restaurants finally get back on their feet. And, you know, we get a little bit more return to normal in some of the, the traffic patterns that, you know, still really aren't where they were pre-pandemic. Um, I do think the supply chain is going to get a little bit better in 23. Um, I don't know that the prices are going to be lower than they were when we entered the pandemic, but I don't think they're going to go up anymore. And, you know, if you kind of look at the supply demand reasons and this varies by market, right? There's lots of parts of the supply chain, but I think in general, what we see is, is kind of positivity there. You know, things are going to get a little bit better. Um, So, you know, I'm hopeful that when we're talking again in 23, I I don't think it's going to be a great year. I'm not going to say that, that, you know, we're not talking about a year where craft grew gangbusters. You know, I think if craft can, can eke out a little bit of growth. Like I think it will this year when we get our final numbers. I think that's a good year for craft. Um, but I'm hopeful we're in a place where this year I'm kind of talking about eking out growth and some of the challenges and that we might be kind of settling down. Hopefully next year it's, we eked out growth, but the trend is positive and I, I see a rosy forecast for 24. So like that's, that. that's, 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 that's my hope. And, you know, we'll see. All right. This is great stuff as usual. So if people want to get in touch, learn more about what you do, the Brewers Association, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so brewersassociation.org is your one-stop shop for for everything we do. Um, there's a you know a production tab within the stats and insights that has a lot of the, the data I do, but um, there's a you know stats analysis tab that 
you know, insights analysis, which is uh, my blog on the website. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff I write goes there. Um, so check that out. Um, you can find me on Twitter posting my random economic thoughts of the day at, at Brewers Stats. Um, so haven't made the Mastodon switch yet, but we'll see what uh, Elon does in the next, you know, next month to, to make me uh, reconsider that. Um, and then, um, you know, um, you know, the Brewers Association has lots of resources beyond me. So I'd also urge you to check out, you know, kind of the, the wider set of the site, um, technical resources, you know, other staff members who might be able to point you in the right direction. And when in doubt, info at BrewersAssociation.org and our great membership team will get you the right person and the right place. That's awesome. Thanks so much for that, Barton. As always, appreciate the time and your insights. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.